This is the Rich Eisen Show. I want to remind you This is the Rich Eisen Show. With guest host, Susie Schuster. The best teams in the NFL, top to bottom, are the Dolphins and the Vikings. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. The Chiefs were an F minus. The Chiefs got an F minus. The Chiefs yeah. got Why? an F minus. The Everything Steelers got an F. Today's guests, Chris Mad Dog Russo, longtime NFL writer Peter King, actor and roast master general Jeffrey Ross. And now, sitting in for Rich, it's Susie Schuster. Well, hi there, everybody. Susie Schuster back in the seat for Rich Eisen, which is, of course, in Indianapolis. And I am thrilled to be with you this week. I'm back tomorrow, too, so don't go away. But, guys, TJ Jefferson, how are you? Hey, I'm great, Susie. How are you? Good to see you. And Mikey D, how are you this morning? I'm doing well, Susie. You with us, Mikey? You with us? Uh, Yeah, I'm with only for two hours. What? What does that mean? What do you mean? Jason will be the last hour. Okay. I got some Michigan basketball. Oh. So I got tonight at Michigan Rutgers. Nobody cares. So you're dumping us. Didn't let I me see. In the school that beat me in the final four. Good to know that you're wow. dumping us. I've been here for two hours. So good wow. to tell me I now, but thanks so much for that. If you get up, you're going to be like, sad. Now I, I know. know. <laughs> I am sad. I'm, I'm Jason's sad. going to be happy now. <laughs> hey, Chris. Hey. Hey, how are you? Hey, I look better every day, so I'm good. I'm Is that right? Good to know. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Rich Eisen oh Show, also known as the How Do I Look Chris Brockman Show, but just found that out anyway. Uh, Chris Russo joining us on the show today. Hey, I got to tell you, I'm so excited about this. <laughs> I try to book the show. You know, Liz Wald is in charge of all the uh, all the booking here, and, and Rich has a crack staff Um booking duo on top of that, but I try to do a lot of the stuff on my own. This was, um, this was for my brother because my brother's obsessed with mad dog. And so he's like, can you get him on? Can you get him on? And I said, finally, I'm like, I'm going to pull the trigger for my brother, Scott. So mad dog Russo coming on. I won't call him mad dog. I don't think, I, I mean, do no? I call him doggy? Do, do I call him Chris Christopher? Hey. I'm going to ask him wow. how he wants yeah, to be like, called man. because the Here's the deal. The one to call him Christopher Mike. <laughs> I was just gonna. I mean, sometimes I call you Christopher if I think you're being insouciant, but that's yeah, the end of there. Christopher come out of Susie's mouth. Word alert. You know, I feel like um, you know, I'll, I'll ask him about Chicago, and I'll because I'd like to know what he thinks about the Bears. But at the same time. I think he's so fascinating, and half the time when I sit in the chair here, I'm just asking questions that I think are interesting to me, and I hope that they're interesting to you too. So we're going to have him. um, We have an idea for maybe a start bench cut for him that I think that you will very much enjoy. Uh, Peter King will join us as well. Obviously, he announced this week that he is retiring from writing his column. He'll be doing lots of other things, but... Love to have Peter on. And and again, we can ask him about what's going to happen in Chicago, but I'm more interested in the stories that got away from him, the stories that make him most proud, maybe maybe even the stories that he feels like he failed. I think it's he's such a fascinating, uh, as we talk about Mount Rushmore, he's, he's it. He's on it. And so thrilled to have Peter King as well. Jeffrey Ross, the comedian who we've been friends with for 30 years, having him come on to promote his upcoming movie called Ricky Stanicky, you heard it here first. It's incredible. And also, he's got his Take a Banana for the Ride um, solo show. So he's going to come on and break all of that down. And just listening to him talk, I could pretty much listen to him all day. He's hysterical and great and speaks from the heart. And, oh, by the way, the show is called The Rich Eisen Show. 
Rich will, in fact, zoom in, of course, from Indianapolis and let us know what he's up to over there. But, guys, we got to start first. I mean, I thought it was going to be all combine all the time, but about uh, 9 o'clock last night, I'm trying to get my kids to bed so I can actually pay attention to the world. And then mm-hmm. I, I look at my phone, and I'm like, oh, what, what the hell's going on at the Staples Center? And I still call it the Staples Center. I'm sorry, the crypto arena, what, whatever. I mean. It's Staples. It's Staples. Thank you, Mikey. And just, I said, guys, let's all go. They're like, mom, it's bedtime. I'm like, let's go watch this game. <laughs> and we just watched an absolute LeBron clinic. Just a clinic. We watched that incredible run that the Lakers put on. And really, I mean, let's face it, LeBron put on a 39-16 to 16 run to close out the fourth. I mean, I'm, I always say to TJ, let me, TJ, keep me straight on the numbers because God knows I'm not a numbers person. Math scares me. <laughs> and I am. <laughs> and I said, TJ, keep me honest here. But uh, a 21-point fourth quarter comeback by the Lakers to beat mm, the clip joint. Lakers. A 19-3 to run in four minutes. It seemed like all yeah. LeBron was doing was dominating. Now, the other thing I pointed out to TJ was, and, and you know, we talked about Daniel Theis coming out to guard him on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. And and all LeBron would do is like look at him like, really? This is what you're giving me? And just that classic step back and boom. boom. It was a thing of beauty. 34 points for LeBron, 19 in the fourth quarter, five threes, 13 of 21. You guys, it was, and, and you know what, what I loved about watching this game last night, and you know, I've been, I've when I've sat in this chair before, sometimes I've said like, he's not my favorite guy to cover. In the world, I, I I appreciate everything about who he is as a player, but I you know. I uh, I watched last night and I thought, how does he still have the energy to do this night after night? Now let's not forget they are the ninth seed. A lot of excitement, a lot of frenzy after that last night. He can't play like that all the time, and yet they need him to. To be relevant, but wow, Chris watching him sit back and launch, penetrate at will, doing whatever he wanted, and then guarding Kawhi Leonard for half the game. I don't know. It was it's, a thing it's, of beauty. It's fun. My feelings about LeBron are kind of whatever, TJ. I mean, but let's let's appreciate what we're watching. You know, Absolutely. It's a, it's a guy in his 20th year. Uh, he's going to be 40 this coming season, uh, later this year, and it's, you know, it's, it's Tom Brady stuff. It's it's stuff that you're not supposed to see. Guys this age aren't supposed to do it uh, at this level. Uh, the problem for the Lakers is it's going to take this kind of effort from LeBron every single night to keep them in the playoff hunt, to keep them in the play-in round, to keep them in the – try to get them into the top six. And, and that's a problem if we're just talking about yeah. from a basketball standpoint because I, I don't think that this type of production – uh, night in and night out is sustainable for him. You know that he needs some help, which is why he was kind of hanging at the at the trade deadline to get some guys in there. But just to sit back on a Wednesday night and and kind of watch this performance, I know it sucks, TJ. You're a Clipper fan; they blew a huge lead, but you got to be like, damn, that was unbelievable to watch. Yeah, I mean, I, I got this. This is just me personally. You know, so many times we, we we pick and choose the players that we love to watch, and then we'll be like, oh, I don't like this guy or I don't like that team. And you let those biases kind of take you away from, like, just overall good basketball. Mm-hmm. And I used to be like that with Kobe and the Lakers. I, I disliked the Lakers so much that I didn't really appreciate Kobe and what was going on right down the street from me every day. And so I told myself at a point that, like, 
after I realized that, I was never going to be that way with another player. So I, I do. I appreciate and I understand historically what we're seeing with LeBron James. This man's about to eclipse the 40,000-point plateau. These are numbers you're never going to see again. Like, it's just never going to happen. Scoring record will never be broken. No one's going to be able to be as good for such a sustained period. And like you said, Chris, he can't do it every night. But those nights when he is able to reach right. in the bag exactly. and, and, and and make it happen, it's it's kind of special, you, you know, even when he's doing it against, you know, your favorite squad. Mm. But it, it was just like one of those moments where, you know, Susie, once the momentum turns – Got to the four-minute mark. Anthony Davis is at the line. He makes two foul shots. He ties the game. Clippers miss. LeBron comes down, hits Rui Hachimura, hits a three, puts him up, and that was pretty much it. But you could feel the tide just change. Yeah, the Clippers coach, Ty Lue, basically played captain obvious. He was like, you just can't let LeBron get hot. It's like, really? (laughs) I mean, you just can't let LeBron get hot. Obviously, 40 points away from 40,000. Has the player even been born who can come close to that? Does the NBA need to change the court and the shape of the court and push the line back or forward or whatever to have a player come close to this? We are watching history. By the way, LeBron at 39, I, I was doing a little research. Don't don't get scared. Uh, fifth in the league in minutes played. And, and that goes back to what you were saying, Chris. And that's about keeping your body in the greatest of shape a la TB12. How does he do it night after night? How does he have the energy? And what does he do? And can I have some? Because something <laughs> is working. Here's LeBron James after the game. Just in the zone. I mean, <clears throat> um, I know we, we've kind of heard this, you know, what, what it feels like to be in the zone, you know, in our, in our sport. And um, that's just a feeling. Um, where you feel like everything that you put up is, is, is going in. And, you know, with the, you know, for me, I just kept it, I kept it consistent. I wasn't taking LOI shots. Um, I stayed in the course of the offense. Um, when I was able to get the switches, I was able to give myself some space and get a couple more looks. You know, so my teammates did a great job of continuing to find me, you know, and then I just try to dictate the tempo, dictate the game, you know, as we started making a run for it and getting the game closer and closer and closer. Um, so, you know, it was just a zone that you just can't really describe it. You, you wish you could stay in it forever, but obviously it checks out, you know, as the game ends. But you know, during it, you don't you don't feel anything. You just, just have a superpower. I feel. And then you got to wonder how he feels the next morning when he wakes up after that, right? And he's got to go back. And he it's the wizards in tonight. Chamber, chambers, so he probably didn't feel anything. Hyperbaric. Yeah. yeah. So he's got the wizards tonight, I believe, at the downtown hoops dojo, and he's I have a feeling. Set out, right? Dojo. Does is this a load management game? Do you think? <laughs> it feels like it. I mean, it has all the makings of one. Darvin, new phone, who dis? Right. I mean, like, might take the night yeah, off. Yeah, I'm just gonna stay home. Your 49 year old put in work last night. He might deserve a bit of a day off. I it's a little know. crazy. Here's Darvin Ham after the game talking about LeBron James just marveling at what he saw. Man, everybody just pushing him on, cheering him on. You know, he uh, had to take the, the cape tucked under his seat on the bench, I guess. <laughs> it was time for him to whip it out. And uh, he, he definitely did that, put the cape on, um, and just got aggressive and got in a good rhythm. He's been shooting the ball, you know, extremely well this whole entire season. And that was just another case of it. You know, once he got in rhythm and, you know, with his playmaking skills, he sets the tone with his three, with his shooting and, and, and going downhill. But then once they start scheming and trying to hit double team late, he was able to pick him, pick him apart with the pass. And that's just who he is.
Yeah, James single-handedly outscoring the Clippers 19-16 in the final frame, including five for eight from three with four assists to close out the hallway, the back-to-back. Yeah. I mean, you Whatever. okay this morning, TJ? You all, you all right? And you pointed out Paul George is out. Mm-hmm. Zubats is out. I had to say something to make myself feel <laughs> yeah. good about the exactly result. Trying right. to prop you up, you babe. Know. Look, I'm, I'm in the Laker. I'm in the, I'm in I the mean, you are chain. in the four seed. Uh, yeah, I'm in the text chain with two Laker fans, uh, Double A and, and Daniel. And like every year when the Clippers were just housing the Lakers every year, I would send something. They'd be like, oh, regular season really means a lot. So now the Lakers have beat us in the regular season. And these guys are trying to like make it seem like they won the title last night, Chris. And it's just like, wait a minute. We we, we beat you guys like 13 games in a row yep. and it like didn't count for anything. And now you win a game, you win a series finally. And it's, oh, the Lakers are back. I don't know about that. But well, whatever it, it was, it was it was a spectacular effort by them. The Clippers just had a tremendous letdown. They just I don't. It was like they stopped caring, guys. I, yeah, they're still like, Lakers. Lakers are still the ninth seed. Uh, they're a game, uh, half a game ahead of Golden State for the tenth seed. So it's not like they're blowing anybody away or lighting mm-hmm. the house on fire or you know in the top four or anything. They still got a, a lot of work to do. And a long way to go if they're going to even win a playoff series. Well, so. that's it. I mean, to even to even get into the playoffs, to even be there. I mean, we that's not a guarantee. So yeah, they're we playing well. They've won seven of the last ten, so they're trending in the right direction. Can it keep up for the last six weeks of the year? You know, remains to but be. But they seen. probably should. When you look at this team, like you take all the stats when you just you know they say on paper, this this is a playoff team on paper, so they should be. The thing is, they've been a terrible road team. They're mm-hmm. awesome at home, twenty nine at home, and, and that's what I get. Like it doesn't seven make games sense. under on the road. It's yeah. hasn't been translating away from away from Staples, but but Maybe. we but we haven't heard the uh, the friction in in the locker room stories the last couple weeks. So no, because it looked like Darvin Ham was going to get yeah. got there for a minute, <laughs> right? Uh, early in the season, and, you know, and they've kind of righted that ship, so to speak. Uh, we'll see how they close. You know, there's, what, 60, there's 22 games left. I mean, is it time? It's so funny because if you listen to sports radio in this town, in Los Angeles, I mean, the complaint department is open 24-7, not as bad as Boston, not as bad as Philadelphia. But, you know, why does the team defer to LeBron James and they? why do they build around him? And, and, you know, you watch games like last night and you think, well, if you can start putting these back together, then it's the Lakers that they thought they were going to get when they got him. Yeah. But, man, I mean, you, D'Angelo Russell, just said, he did have that one time where I think it was LeBron dishing out to him in the corner, looked like he was going to take the three, and then he just penetrated at will and then silenced the crowd. And I was like, oof. He also had that a was big cold. three during that run, too. And mm-hmm. Like I said, they, they've definitely got talent on this team. So it's going to be interesting to see how they finish up. Yep. 844-204-RICH is the number. You know I love to take calls, so start calling in. A little free advice. I'm happy to dish it out for you. 844-204-RICH. Good morning to everybody on Sirius. And good morning as well and afternoon to all of you on Roku. We're thrilled to see you. And by the way, don't forget that this show repeats itself on Roku. So if you missed a little bit of it, don't worry. Come on back. Find us wherever you find us. But Rich will will join us ahead. But first, it is Chris Mad Dog Russo. I mean... The the amount of questions I have, we could go three hours. (laughs) I'll try to go 12 minutes. This is The Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, 
O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just... Find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs costs all in before you purchase so all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed What's the most pissed off you made Nick Saban ever? Oh, when I took the sack second and 26 <laughs> in a national in championship. That game. <laughs> you mean the one that you immediately made up for with an amazing play yes, that sir. puts you on the map? <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah. That, that, that sack? Yeah. Okay. That was the sack. So um, walk me through how that, uh, how, what he said to you, if you can, in a, in a certain way on a live yeah, well, radio I, TV broadcast. I mean, I could only see it on camera, you know, um, how mad he, he was. That was probably the most pissed off, though, I, I, I think he's ever been at me. He, 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 was, he was squeezing his headset so hard. <laughs> and then, um, you know, like, it was hard because the emotion was, like, so mad to so happy, you know, so fast for him. And, you know, we got into the locker room when everything settled down. I mean, he was still still the same coach, you know, yeah. he pulled me to the side. Like, what, what were you thinking, you know? Um, so like after, you won, after you won the game mm -hmm. and you picking confetti out of your hair, he still took a moment yeah, in that being, moment to revisit yeah. that sack. Yeah, being who he is, I mean, you know, he, he pulled me to the side. He said, you know, well, why did you take the sack? Right. You know, and I, I thought it was a good time to joke with him, you know, so I... <laughs> I mean, we won, we won the national championship, so I told him, I told him, well, you know, we, we needed more room to throw the ball, coach. You know, and, like, he looked at me, and, like, I was laughing. He's like, that's not funny. <laughs> so, so, I mean, I didn't know what else to do in that situation. I was like, okay, I, I'm sorry, coach. So I shook his hand, and he just moved on. I was like, oh, <laughs> like, oh man. That's amazing. I wow. love that story. Yeah. That made me my favorite story the whole week. So you just figured, yeah, hey. I was like, oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
thought it was a good time to joke, but it wasn't. Yeah, nope. It's never a good time, I guess, in that respect. Back to the Rich Eisen Show. Susie Schuster in for Rich Eisen, who is in Indianapolis, of course, and he will zoom in with us shortly. Peter King ahead as well, and Chris Russo. And guys, I think this morning, having him zooming in today, like... One of the more fun guests I've had on, I think, that we've actually been excited about talking to. And, and it's so funny because it's like I said to you guys, it's not even about asking him about who the Bears are going to take in the first round. It's about where did you come from? And, <laughs> yeah, right. And, yeah. and how did you come up with a persona? And yeah. I think that that's one of the things I love so much about being in a, an interview format is having people on that are actually interesting to you, you know, as opposed to just like, it's great to talk about LeBron, and I'm happy to do it all day because I love the NBA, but sometimes you get a guest on, and it's just uh, you book them only because you're curious about it as opposed to, you know, it being the news of the day, even though he does cover the news of the day. So it's kind of a two-for-one special. Oh, I mean, well, Wednesdays absolutely. are Mad Dog Days, right, Chris? So Mad Dog Days on first so- take are some of the funniest things I've ever seen in the last couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> just, uh, just the absurdity and just the, the fun it looks like they're having, which is super great. I mean, look, this guy helped invent what we're in, the business that we're in yep. right now, Mike. Oh, yeah. You know? So oh, yeah. Uh, anytime you get a chance to talk to him, it's always special. Who did you listen to as a kid? Oh, uh, well, as a kid, I more, more or less just listened to games on the radio. So when we moved to Maine, you know, I was a big Red Sox on the radio, Celtics on the radio, because we didn't have cable growing up. So uh, had to listen to games on the radio. And then uh, after college, I was a big Rome guy. So I listened to Rome kind of every afternoon before I went to work at the uh, my newspaper. So Did you rack them? Rack them. I, I never called in. I'm, I, I was not a caller. I was not a clone. I really just wanted to listen and just uh, for all the absurd things and the interviews back then, I mean, in the mid-2000s, there was really nobody better than Jim. So uh, that's kind of where I killed some time and at the gym and getting ready for uh, whatever, you know, girls' soccer game or boys' tennis match I was covering that afternoon in Southern Maine. So it was a lot of fun. Mikey, who'd you listen to? You're looking this at guy. him. I mean, come on. It was this New York. Guy. It, was, it was Stern and Mike and the Mad Dog. Those two are the, that's it. It's like you got you got both of them. That was a and, full day. And that was like a full day. If yeah. You on it. yeah, in the old days. And and Imus, of course, because he was local also. Oh, God, I forgot Imus it in the like, morning, it was, of it course. Was Imus, Stern, and Mike Club. and the Mad Dog, man. Mike, and they were on, I, we were talking about this. They were on like, I think they started a certain amount of hours, and then they'd be on like five hours. And they would have callers. The whole the, day. The whole day. It was, yeah. I can't even imagine people waiting on hold five hours, waiting to talk to them. Just to talk, like literally... We're going to bitch about the Yankees. We're going to bitch about the Mets, the Nets, the Nick, whatever. You were going to have Rangers, whoever it was. And those guys just, they made it so interesting. And it was just like, it's like I get goosebumps because it's like my childhood. That's it's fantastic. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, I always, I'm always marveling at the patience that some of you guys have when you call in. And just, the, <laughs> yeah. the, and then I always wonder, like, are you in an office? <laughs> is your boss like do, does your boss know that you're sitting here on hold waiting to talk to his sports radio just on hold it's amazing right? it's amazing it's okay. just ready to call in and just be like ah oh, i think that donovan McNabb sucks in my wall and you're just like oh okay cool thank you for contributing <laughs> yeah and, and i was listening you know, it's like and some of the people that call in i always feel like our callers really bring some interesting insight but sometimes you're like you waited three hours for that <laughs> really <laughs> You know, the first time you call, though, and I mean, I did it with Larry King in New York. You called into Larry kid. King? Yes, to complain about the you mess. You called into Larry King. About That's the fantastic. Mess in like 80, might have been like 85. It was where they won the World Series. And I remember waiting on hold, and I got on, and I froze. 
Yeah. Like, I, oh, yeah. I want to complain about something. I was like, uh, bah, 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 bah. And he's like, uh, Mike Livingston. And it's like, and I was like sitting there going, I couldn't speak because, and you do, you get like, you get yeah. like, like a little crazy when you get on the call. You're like sitting there going, oh my God, you're actually on the air with like Larry King. It's national. People can hear you all over America. Don't sound like an idiot. And of course, I sounded it's like an idiot, an idiot that day. Yeah. You know, people Sorry. underestimate. What happens when they say, you know, you hear the crackle yeah, like, and then you're, you're on, on and then you're on and then you're sitting here thinking, oh, God, I have to be really good. Or people, you know, they think it's easy. It's not. You get no. very nervous. TJ, did you ever call into shows or before you were on this show? Yeah, I mean, I, I, Chris knows this. Traditionally, I've never in my life been a big fan of sports talk radio. Um, I don't know why. It was just a lot of people yelling and, and yeah. opinions that would. The host will give an opinion on Monday and then by Wednesday completely forgot what he said and, and gave you a completely different point of view. So I was never really into sports talk radio. Plus, you know, I'm from a small town in the middle of Pennsylvania, so we didn't get like these guys in their bigger areas, yeah. getting guys like Mad Dog and, and, and guys like that. You know, we got local local guys. But yeah, I used to call and I think it was WFBG in Altoona when I was a kid. They used to always have radio contests, so I would call in and I remember I answered one about the soap opera Guiding Light once. Ah, woo. <laughs> and oh, I, was, I was able to answer this question. That one like a free sub or something. Ah, I called and got on. Fantastic. So wait, he called on about a soap opera. You've yeah. been on the prices the prices right. You've got an eclectic like knowledge of, of television, don't you? <laughs> you really do. A little bit. That's hilarious. A little bit. I, I wanted to- I wanted to call into some of the local stuff in Boston and then you know, then I would move to New York and, and I went, I worked at ESPN. I covered the Yankees a lot. So I would sit in the back of the Don, of the John Sterling, Michael K booth oh, yeah. and just hope that John Sterling would say my name. And every so often he'd say like, Susie Schuster's here from ESPN. <laughs> what a great kid. And, and, and honestly, that was it. I just, just, just a mention. It's like, just say my name. Right. Right. <laughs> but I mean, John Sterling, come on. Also one of the all-time greatest. So you have to, you just want, all you want is for John Sterling to say your name. And then, you know, you're golden for a while. True story. Sorry. <laughs> just just oversharing with you. Love it. In the first half. I think I said that with you. I mean, W-R-T-A in Altoona now that I think about it. Just wanted to get it right. Yeah. There you go. I was a big concert ticket guy. Trying to call oh, yeah. concert tickets. Same. That was big yeah. in New York. Caller number 50. What was your first concert, Mike? Kid, I went and saw Springsteen okay. with my sister in college at Seton Hall when he played because she was good friends. She was the head of the yearbook and good friends with, with the photographer. I held his bag while he took photos with Springsteen like a foot in front of me. What? I, I might have been in like sixth, seventh grade. Yeah, right when Born to Run came out. And I remember like the only song I knew was Born to Run. Like I knew no other song he was playing. And that was a fan. As soon as I saw this guy live, I'm like, oh, my God. He's, like, really good. I stole my brother's Boy in the Run album, played the whole thing, Jungle Land. That became my like one of my favorite albums to play. And back in the old days, you played the whole album because you wanted to hear all the songs. But literally, to this day, I think I still have the album I stole from my brother in my collection. And I, that was the first concert. Then Kiss, right after that. I remember taking my brother's... Kiss. Kiss. My brother's Springsteen it had to have been Born to Run. Yeah, it would be. And playing it over and over yeah. again. But was the river on Born to Run? No, that's the if river. That's on the river. That's on the river. Okay. Born to Run is Jungle Land. Jungle Land. Yeah, it's yeah. that whole group of it's amazing. Yeah, it was like, oh, man, that was such a great album. 
Chris, what was your first? My first concert was uh, the New York State Fair in the fall of 1999. Um, it was uh, 98 degrees with a little-known opener that night, Britney Spears. Oh. No way. <laughs> Fantastic. Not a concert guy growing up. Uh, and one of my uh, college buddies, we took his little cousins, who are now like in their 30s, we took, the, we took them to the concert at the State Fairgrounds in New York. Sure. And it was Britney Spears opening for 98 Degrees. It was hilarious. <laughs> That's a good double bill right there. I would take that pretty right good. now. Pretty good. In September of 1999. <laughs> I That's was sick. <laughs> well, thanks for asking. My first one was Sting. <laughs> hey, Susie. Yeah. What was your first one? Hey, your first hey thanks for asking. That's so Busy, nice of you. Sorry. It was Sting at Great Woods, followed uh, up by I'm Bon Jovi. Sting on the t-shirt right oh, now. So yeah. Good. Followed up by you know, what? Really? Yeah, Sting is on my T-shirt. No, Do we have Chris Russo? Is he Sting. on the? Oh, different Sting, Chris. Different Sting. Oh, I, I think this we're is the efforting. We're efforting. Okay, still this efforting. This is what we call efforting. ramping <laughs> and having yeah. a, a casual conversation we're while we're ramping. Uh, but, uh, I'm sorry. Wait, wait, hold up, Susie. You were. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you were saying Sting. Sting. I was bon saying thank you. Th- thanks, TJ. <laughs> I was saying it was Sting, followed right away by Bon Jovi, and I think I um. I think that was they the only... They weren't together, right? Those no, were, it was oh, like week separate. after. Oh, it was okay. like, it was back to back. Someone told me stuff. you once had a Bon Jovi poster on your bedroom wall. Oh, yeah. I mean, I am. Um, I was fairly certain that Richie Sambora saw me in the crowd and thought, like, pointed at me <laughs> in my, like, rugby shirt. I don't think I was his type. <laughs> and was like, and was like, what, you pull you on stage? Like, I was Courtney waiting Cox? for my Gordy Cox moment, <laughs> thinking, like, I am so cool in my rugby shirt. I hung out with Richie Sambora one You did? Night. Yeah. He's like, the, yeah. The, like, I think 2011. I, I'm pretty sure it was at a Super Bowl party. And how'd it Dope go? Guy. I can remember thinking Rich Zambor is a cool. Oh, yeah. It's a cool yeah. cat. Oh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Cool. yeah. He knows how to use a can of hairspray. Let's just <laughs> no. say that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I loved all that kind of like Def Leppard. Oh, yeah. Oh, good. Oh, the 80s, of course. Oh, yeah. I mean, the hair bands were fantastic. I loved all that. Poison. But then, but that poison, of course. Yeah. See, Some I was a weird kid because, you know, growing up, I had friends of all different colors. So whereas I would always bring the rap to like our little hangout sessions, my best friend who lived in the alley behind me was very into heavy metal. So I was listening to like stuff like Van Halen and ACDC and Def, stuff that I would have never heard on my own. But because we were friends, we got to, you know, exchange music like that. Chris Russo, what a pleasure having you on The Rich Eisen Show. Thank you so much for your time. What's your best best Bruce Springsteen song. Like if we were to play start bench cut, which is what we play here all the time. We're talking about music here. Cause let's face it. I'm not going to waste time talking with you about like, what's the bears going to do <laughs> on your, uh, if, if I had to, um, wow. There's a lot of them. Uh, I think probably Rosalita would be the one that I'd have to take. Um, partly because it's the song that goes way back that I remember in, you know, album number two. So I would take Rosalita as the number, as my number. Ties to Bind, I love as well. There's a lot of them, but I, I'm going to tell you Rosalita from Wild D in the Street, E Street mm-hmm. Shuffle. I did a camp thing once when I was a camp counselor in 1980, and we had a talent show, and I had all the campers dressed as Springsteen's members, and we lip-synced Rosalita. So I will go with Rosalita in that song. Wow. That is, that? that is fantastic. Give me, uh, you know, I feel like having you on 
you know, there's so many things I want to ask you. So I'm going to just rapid fire if you don't mind. Go ahead. Sure. Where did Mad Dog come from? Uh, Bob Raceman gave me that nickname back in 1988. Uh, I had just gotten to New York a year or so prior, and I was doing a show on WMCA, which used to be a legendary New York talk show back in the 60s. A lot of music, too, but, you know, a lot of great talk show hosts came from MCA. I got a job there, and I worked weekends, 5 to 8, Saturday and Sunday. And Bob Raceman, who wrote for the New York Daily News and covered sports media, found me and gave me that mad dog nickname. So when I left MCA uh, about a year, December of 88, I had the nickname a year or so before that. I went to FAN, which had just started. And then all the FAN guys led by Don Imus promoted the fact that we have a mad dog in the house. So <laughs> Raceman to Imus to Mike and the mad dog. That's where that nickname wow. came from awesome. back in 1988. All right. You need dog. a nickname. You need a nickname in sports talk radio, especially back then. It separates you from the pack, Susie, having a nickname. I got to think of one for myself. Okay. Dog, doggy, Christopher, Chris. What do you like being called? Well, uh, Christopher. Chris, that's, that's my name. So I'll say Christopher. Doggy, I like Christopher. <laughs> dog, I don't. Mad Dog is too official. Doggy, uh, Stephen A calls me that, so that shows a familiarity to it. Christopher shows a little refinement. refinement. Chris is a little too, you know. Informal. Christopher or Doggy are the two ways I would go. I Those told two. you, Chris. I told <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, but I said Doggy. I so... told you. And I said, and I said, I'm not calling him Doggy. Right. It's just like, you and I don't have a relationship. I'd like to have one, but we don't have one. I'm not going to call you Doggy. I'm going to call you Christopher with some, with, you know, I'm going to have some, um, I'm going to have some respect. I'm going to save you I Christopher because I want to you know, be they formal. Call me, they call me a lot of things. I had a nickname in high school. I went to a boarding school in upstate New York. I wore black patent leather shoes. So they called me Gucci in high school. So I have always had, well, whatever Gucci. the reason, I've always had a nickname. My whole life I've had a nickname for Gwen. Well, they, they call me a lot of things behind my back, but I'm not going to say what they are here. Susie Schuster on The Rich Eisen Show, <laughs> In For Rich. Chris Russo joins us. Christopher Russo joins us. And we're so thrilled to have you. Uh, Stephen A. is a very old friend of mine back from the Fox Sports Net days. What's the difference between working with him and working with Mike Mancessa? Uh, that's a good question. Wow. Uh, that's a very good question. I think Mike is a little more reserved. And I think you have to prove to Mike that you are on Mike's level from a sports perspective. Stephen A. takes you for what you are. He understands that the embellishment of it. Mike can be a little cynical about somebody who yells a lot. Stephen A. kind of loves that. So I would think that the enthusiasm level with Stephen A. plays a little better for him than it would for Mike. I would think the intellectual level, not saying that Stephen A. is as smart as a whip, but the intellectual level probably works a little better with Mike to be on Mike's plane intellectually sports wise, I take some getting, you got to know how to do that and you got to match that. And that's not that easy. Stephen a, you got to match his enthusiasm and his delivery, which is a different situation. So they're two different little skill sets. Both are, you can have a lot more thoughtful conversations sometimes with Mike and a lot more enthusiastic conversations sometimes with Stevie A. What is the one sporting event that has caused you to be the most crazy, the most insane in your career? 
Well, that's a good. Oh, one specific sporting yeah. event. Probably the '90 Buffalo Giant game uh, in Tampa. I thought that the Bills, after beating Oakland fifty-two to three in the AFC Championship game, I thought they would kill the Giants. And I went on and on and on at the Tampa Hyatt, thinking that this game would not be competitive. I had the game early, you know, 21-3. And then by the time Friday at 6.05 came, I had it 49-13. And that was the final that I picked. Now, Peter King, the great, just-retired, esteemable Peter King, had it 35-14 bills. For some reason, my 49-13 in New York resonated a little longer. And then I sat in the back of the end zone, the opposite side of Norwood's miss, saying, as that game went on, I said, boy, did I screw this up. And Mike was close to Parcells, and Mike went to Parcells. You're not going to believe this, Bill. My dopey partner thinks that the Bills are going to score 49 on you. And Bill told him, tell that little ham and egger, there is no way I'm allowing the Bills to score 49 points. Bill was right. I was wrong. 2019 Giants Super Bowl 25. Uh, a hell of a game. Wow. Susie, a hell of a game. I love it. Peter King joins us in the next hour. So we're, we're back to back. You and I are lockstep with our admiration of him. What about the moment where you said, I am the luckiest guy in the world to be working in this job, to be being able to be myself calling sports? That's a good one, too. Wow. When's the moment that I really felt very fortunate? I would say I know this is going to sound a little weird because it just kind of occurred. I would say probably those first that first time a couple years ago when I did first take. I did a first take. I just went in there as January last two years ago. Stevie A called me. I went in. I did two segments on Clemens and Bonds and why they shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame and something on the Packers who had just lost to San Francisco in a divisional game in the snow in Lambeau. The next day, ESPN called me, and a day after, they signed me to a contract. That's freaking free at, at 62 years of age. That is fortunate. So I'd have to say that would be one. I think the other one would be the first day in 03 when my I did two books. And my first book that came out, Greatest Sports Arguments of All Time, when you write a book and the book comes out on a Tuesday and boxes of it are delivered to either your house, double, uh, you know, uh, radio stations, I think that's important too. And I remember one year I went to go do the Today Show this would have been probably summer of 03. And I was doing a Today Show, and I walked by Barnes & Noble and the greatest sport and Fifth Avenue, and the greatest sports argument book was, was in the window. I think that, I said, geez, look at that, Barnes, Fifth Avenue. I got that a stupid little book that I could care less about. <laughs> that, too, those two. Those two I can give you. And how about the moment in sports that, that has affected you most personally? Well, I mean, I, I think it's probably Magic Johnson uh, when he announced he had HIV. That was in 90. Mike and I had just started. Remember, he had a press conference in November that day at 4 o'clock. They called the press conference 
that afternoon. This was not something that was, okay, Magic on November 4th is going to announce his retirement. They called that press conference probably in the morning because his health insurance came back and he had the blood disorder. And he had the press conference at 4 o'clock and Mike and I were on the air. And to be on the air when Magic Johnson is announcing his retirement from professional basketball, that to me was one of the most dramatic moments that I've that we that I've ever done. To be on the air when that occurred. The other one that I think of, and this is a tragedy, we were on the air when Corey Lytle with his test pilot crashed his plane into an apartment building at 72nd Street and Park. Hmm. That was a day of a Met Ooh. Cardinal in 06, of a Met Cardinal playoff game, NLCS, at Shea. It got rained out. And Mike and I were on the air all day from soaked Shea. And that accident happened, I'm going to guess, 2, 3 o'clock. And we, were, we, had the NA, we had all sorts of transportation. That was a very dramatic day. He had just pitched for the Yankees two days before that. Uh, And we had talked to him on the air because we yelled at him and we had him on on Monday. And this happened like on Wednesday. Those two. Very, very dramatic, Susie. Very dramatic. Two more minutes with Christopher Russo, unless you can hang out for a commercial break, which I might say to you. I can hang on, Susie. Can you? You're doing a great job. But this is so fantastic. Thank you so much. All right. Mount Rushmore of media. You have to put some guys up there or ladies. Who are they? And it could be TV. It could be print. Any form of media, who would they be? You're gonna uh, uh, just sports media or sports all media. media. You can if okay. you want to add Paul Harvey, go add Paul Harvey. But, <laughs> but who, I know I was gonna add, add. I, would, I would add I would add Howard, but uh, but let's but you not can add Howard. That, uh, let's just do sports because I think that's a little easier. Cosell would have to be considered in there. I know this is gonna sound crazy, and people are gonna think I'm nuts. Ooh. Dick Young huh. has to be in here. Dick Young is the first writer who covered a team in ways that you and I, Susie, would recognize. The Dodgers in the late 40s, Jackie Robinson, he was very, very significant, had an incredible amount of impact. That's two. Uh, Let's see. Boy, that's a very good question. I hadn't thought of that. Uh, That's two. Now, this is personal for me. So I'm going to put Enberg there. Oh, that's because, beautiful. Uh, because Enberg is the, he's the, he is a tremendous, tremendous play-by-play guy. And I grew up with him. So I, I'm going to put Enberg there. Now, I'll tell you a quick little thing on Enberg. 08 or 09, I'm doing spring training shows for Sirius. So I go to the Peoria San Diego's playing somebody, and I'm in the ballpark at 7 a.m. He was doing Padre games. This is at the end of his career. He was in that. That was their first spring training game on TV, and Dick Enberg was in the clubhouse at seven o'clock in the morning, preparing for a spring training game, Padres and Mariners, whoever they were playing. Think about that. Dick Enberg, who did 3,000 Super Bowls. <laughs> I was so impressed. So I will put Enberg. You have to put Cosell in there for Monday Night Football. Uh, I will put um, myself. I'm going to put Dick Young. And although I, I'm not an Olympic fan, I got to put Rune Orlidge in there, too. Beautiful. Uh, 
Olympics, Monday night. I got to put all the in there. That's a right. weird clue. I probably would refine it. But top of my head, Susie, those are the four I give you. Let's go to break. When we come back, we'll have a couple more minutes with Christopher Russo. Because honestly, this is the most fun we've had for a while. And we're going to ask you about Brent Musburger, who's on tomorrow as well. So let's go to okay. break. Let's go to break. When we come back, much more with Christopher Mad Dog Russo. This is so fun. Hey, folks, it's time for the NFL draft, which means for me, I need a good night's sleep because if I don't have one, just not myself. You know the deal. You know exactly how important it is to have quality sleep. It's a game changer for all of us. So sleep number helps me. My sleep number setting is 60. My wife's setting is 70. We both get a great night's sleep because we could adjust the firmness of our mattress on each side. Improve your quality sleep because Sleep Number learns how you sleep thanks to their smart beds and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Back here on The Rich Eisen Show, Susie Schuster in for Rich Eisen, and Chris Russo has been generous enough to stay with us during the commercial break, and and we love having you on, so thank you very, very much. We talked about Brent Musburger before the break, and Dan Patrick has been very vocal about saying that he can't believe that Brent is not in the Hall of Fame. Brent is our guest tomorrow, old friend of mine. Can you think of a reason why he's not in the NFL Hall of Fame? Uh, It's it's an absolute disgrace. I've screamed about that as well. Uh, Good job by Dan. He's been all over it recently. Uh, that was a great CBS documentary that they did on the NFL Today show during the Super Bowl before the in the pregame. Uh, this is a guy that formed formed the NFL Today, uh, and the fact that he does not have that Roselle Award is an absolutely mind-boggling scenario. Uh, now, listen, Brent was not a great sharer. Brent wanted to do everything. You know, he wanted to do the NCAA. He wanted to do the NBA. He wanted to do studio. He wanted to do the Masters, Indianapolis. So he probably, you know, rubbed a few people the wrong way because it's a lot of the times it's about Brent. And I think that, you know, that didn't end well at CBS. You know, they got rid of him in 90 because, you know, he was sort of so empowered at the network that they just wanted to spread some of the workload around and Brent did so much. That's probably got a little something to do with it. Um, but uh, other than that, I, I don't know, Susie. I mean, that to me, I mean, Berman's won the award. Andrea, Andrea Klamer's won the award. Irv Cross now African-American, very important, but he won the award. He was on a show. Cosell won the award. I mean, go look at the list of people who have won that award and somehow Brent Musburger, 1975 and he was on there live you are looking live at all these games i mean that really is hot now listen probably didn't make a ton of friends uh, i'll be the first to say that but as far as his ability and uh, and how good he was at what he did in the studio and his 
he was a pioneer in a very, and now that they all do it, they do five hour pregame shows. So Brent, to me, that is an absolute disgrace. Hall of Fame should be embarrassed that Brent Musburger is not in there. And Dan Patrick, who has been screaming about it, you are 1,000% correct, is 100% right. He's got to be in the Hall of Fame. I'm with you. Yeah, Christopher Russo here on the Rich Eisen Show. We are talking about Brent Musburger, and I'm sitting at the Rich Eisen Show radio network desk. I'm furnished by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger's got the right product for you. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. I wonder if it has to do with gambling because he spoke about gambling long before the NFL got um, you know, it's not, you know, in maybe, bed with it. Maybe. And then he worked for VEASAN, you know, which was an issue with gambling, too. Um so that might have a little something to do with it. Uh, I, I don't know if Brent probably, you know, uh, again, he was omnipresent on that show. He ran, the, he ran the roost. That probably has got something to do with it. It can't be an oversight because enough people have screamed about this for a long period of time lately by Dan. And uh, everybody knows that it's a disgrace that he's not in there. All right, we'll go into we'll go into rapid fire mode just because I have so many questions, and I know Christopher over here has one as well. Um, The next five years of Bill Belichick's life are going to look like head coach again. I'd be shocked if he doesn't. Somebody will take a run at him after this year. I was surprised he didn't get a job after this past season with either Dallas, even Atlanta. I thought Washington would be perfect, Uh, but those programs decided to go in a different direction. There will be an owner. Next year, after somebody has a big-time disappointing year that's going to want to win a title quickly, Belichick can still be a – he's still a great coach. I think you'll see him again on the sideline. I really do. I'd be surprised if he's not. Chris, what do you Doggy, got? you made a lot of headlines with your uh, half a gummy and a 10K on Colorado uh, right. earlier this year. What's the best bet you've ever made? I'm going to tell you right now. Well, I did a couple. One – I bet the Giants in 10 at 13 to 1 Ooh. to win the World Series before the year started. And they did. That was a good one. But how about the plays that I made in Vegas before this year's Super Bowl? I went to South Point. I made five plays. Susie, Chris, are you ready for these? Here they are. I'm writing them down. McCaffrey, over four and a half receptions. Okay. <laughs> Justin Watson, and I was going to bet uh, MVS, but they didn't have him on the board because he had missed practice and I would have lost. Justin Watson, over 16 and a half yards receiving. That's number two. <laughs> I bet the Chiefs on the money line. Okay? The plus on 130, the money something like that? Uh, it was 114. Okay. Uh, I bet it was something else in which I won. Northern Kentucky and Oakland in a college basketball over two days before that. And yes, I'm a degenerate. And then here's two that unbelievably I got a chief fourth down conversion, which they got an OT and it had to be done not via penalty. And number five, Mahomes over one and a half touchdown passes. Yeah, buddy. Last play of the game. Now, that, Susie, let me hear from you. That is an incredible <laughs> Sunday at the Super Bowl. That's pretty good. I'm trying to put my jaw back in my uh, in my head here, right? Because it dropped really, five really hard. Five for five. Really five hard. for five, baby. Oh, baby. We got two minutes to a hard out. I- I'm in a panic. I want to ask you about who the Bears are going to take 
with the first pick, but I'm almost more interested to hear on your thoughts on the Kennedy assassination because I know that's oh, I, one of your favorite topics. So, oh, I love it. Rob you get to Reiner, go. Who I, Rob Reiner, who I had on when he did this great ten part uh, series, which is airing on, uh, you get it on your podcasts. I had Rob on for an hour, what early December? He was great. And if you think or if America thinks that Lee Harvey Oswald decided to go up on that book depository thing by himself and shoot the president of the United States, because whatever the case, might, I mean, if you think that you are absolutely nuts, I used to think mob. Rob made me think CIA. So some sort of combination of CIA and mob. And I could even make the argument, as Reiner did, that he may have not even been on the sixth floor at one something in the afternoon when Kennedy was shot. How about that? That's fantastic. Okay, we got 30 seconds to a hard out. Quickly, Bears are taking. I think they're going to take uh, Kelly Williams of USC. The, the GM can't afford not to. If he keeps Fields, trades the pick, Fields has a midland career, and Williams turns out to be Mahomes, he will never live it down the rest of his life. He will go the safe route and take Williams out of USC and trade fields for a couple of draft picks. Really appreciate you coming on today. Loved you having you. You got it. Knock him dead. Chris, you too. Susie, knock him dead. Listen, Love you, doggy. and I want to just I want to just say to you, it is such an inordinate pleasure to have you. We're on Roku only now. We just went to break for radio, but you get the drift. But I mean, it's just so much fun having you on because, look, we all listen to sports radio all the time. But like, this is... I like asking questions that are a little bit more interesting because I always tell everybody, like, you can listen to your take on the Bears pretty much anywhere, right? But I'm still interested in things like, do you think the NIL is, you know, screwing up college sports forever? Yeah, I'm, a for, yes. I'm a former ABC sports reporter, so, you know, yeah. I lived college football for so long. Do you think the NIL has spoiled players? Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a major mess. I think it's very difficult to build your teams. They bounce around. I understand why. If coaches can leave, why can't the players leave too? Coaches have to pay a penalty if they leave, but this is a mess. College athletics, it's a year-to-year thing right now in basketball and in football. A couple guys don't play. You hear what Patino said? He had two players as freshmen who he didn't play, and if he did, and and if it was now, they would have left NIL, and those players, Silva, Peyton Silva, and somebody else, helped them win a championship two years down down the road. You can't do that today in college basketball or football. It's a major problem. I understand why the judge and, you know, if coaches leave, the college athletics is a cesspool. I get all that, but it's hurt the sport. There's no question. About I really appreciate your time. I hope you will come back again next time Anytime, I'm in the chair. Please. This has been fantastic. Anytime. And also send my love to Stephen A. I sure will. Thanks a lot. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.